0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good
2: evening, and thanks for joining us tonight. We have some chilling new details about a shooting spree that left four people dead in Penticton.
3: A 68 year old former city employee has been charged. And while police have not commented on a possible motive, a picture is being painted of a fractured relationship between John Britton and his former neighbors.
4: Here's Global's Shelby Tom. The day of the murder's raw emotion filled these two seemingly quiet Penticton streets. Both turned into crime scenes connected to the death of four residents. Now police tape remains only around one home on Cornwall Drive. Sources say the owner, the ex-wife of the alleged shooter, had a strained relationship with her neighbors. Two former city officials tell Global News Catherine Britton made dozens of calls to the city complaining about her neighbors in 2017-2018. After speaking with friends and family, reviewing land title documents and court records, we can tell you that the first victim, Rudy Winter, lived in this brown home behind me. His next-door neighbor is the ex-wife of the alleged shooter John Britton. We know that he used to live here, but he moved away several years ago. The couple divorced in 2013. Yellow police tape remains strung across the driveway. Directly across the street is where the second and third victims lost their lives. Susan and Barry Wont were gunned down Inside their home. And the fourth victim is their next door neighbor, 75 year old Darlene Knickelberg. On Tuesday, 68-year-old John Britton was charged with second-degree murder in Rudy Winter's death, shot and killed while he was pruning a tree at his friend's home. After allegedly shooting Winter, police believe Britton jumped in his black Volkswagen Jetta and traveled to the other end of town to allegedly target three former neighbors on Cornwall Drive. He then turned himself into police, the murderous rampage lasting just one hour.
5: We're all shocked that this happened.
4: City bylaw confirms several calls were tied to six different bylaw complaints, which included wood burning smoke, landscaping, and on site drainage issues. The former city officials say John Britton stood behind his ex wife's assertions during interactions with city staff. Police are still investigating a potential motive.
5: Our preliminary investigation has determined that the accused and each of the victims were known to each other. The question of motive remains under
6: investigation.
4: Global News tried to speak with Katherine Britton about the complaints. Kathy, what were your concerns with your neighbors? And do you believe that that could have led to the motive in these alleged crimes? Britton declined to comment. Shelby Tom, Global News, Penticton. And our Nadia Stewart is live in Penticton
3: with more on this tragedy and how the community is coping. Nadia, a vigil is being held a short time from now where you are.
7: Yeah, that's right. It's happening downtown in about an hour and a half from now. Organizers are hoping this will be an opportunity for people to come together and grieve. This is We're Learning More About the Victims. Global News has heard from the daughter of Susan and Barry Wan. She's telling us more about her parents and just the loss that this family is suffering. She says her parents were kind, loving and wonderful people who would never do anything to hurt anyone. They say the senseless tragedy has left a massive hole in their family. Organizers say it's going to take a long time for this community to heal.
8: One of the the cruxes or the core beliefs of our center is it's a healing center. Um, Healing will be coming, uh, but this is kind of laying down the groundwork for a community to heal, as well as those that are impacted to heal.
7: It was folks in the community who reached out to the organizers to say that they wanted something like this tonight. So we'll be here covering this. We'll have a full wrap tonight at 11. Back to you.
3: All right, thanks for that, Nadia Stewart in Penticton.
2: And breaking details about a fatal shooting in Vancouver's Kitsilano neighborhood. Late this afternoon, Vancouver police identified the victim as 30-year-old Manoj Kumar, not previously known to them. Grace Key has more on what police are saying about the shooting and a burning vehicle found nearby.
9: Bullet holes riddle the front windshield of this BMW SUV in Vancouver's Kitsilano neighborhood, killing the driver. People in the area say they heard several shots.
10: I never would imagine this kind of thing would happen. My
9: wife said she heard three, um, but I'm pretty sure there was more. It happened at about 8.30 Tuesday night behind the Hideaway restaurant on Burrard and 4th Avenue. The engine was still running when officers arrived. It's too early to say if it's gang-related, but investigators believe it was targeted
11: just appears to have all the hallmarks of a targeted shooting. We've got a one vehicle in a busy area. We've got one person in a vehicle. We've got a number of shots that have been fired directly into that vehicle. Uh, so that leads us to believe that it's targeted. <laughs>
9: Several blocks away near 21st Avenue and Vine, emergency crews were called to a car fire around midnight. Police can't confirm yet if it's the same vehicle witnesses saw speeding away from the murder scene. Neighbors in Kitsilano surprised to learn of a shooting in their area.
1: Shock,
2: for sure. In this neighborhood especially, it's not something you'd expect ever
9: alley remain behind police tape as investigators try to determine what unfolded. No arrests have been made. Police are asking for dashcam footage of the area around the time of the shooting and for witnesses to come forward. Grace Key, Global News.
3: Ridge Meadows RCMP are looking for information in connection with a suspicious death. RCMP now identifying a body found on March 22nd in Kanaka Creek Park as 52-year-old Mae Cunningham. Police are now looking to speak to anyone who may have been in the park, specifically the riverfront area, between Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. and Friday, March 22nd at 8 a.m. If you think you might have information that could be helpful, you're asked to contact Ridge Meadows RCMP or Crime Stoppers.
2: More today from the trial of, of an Oak Bay father accused of murdering his two young daughters on Christmas Day 2017. The Crown laying out its theory that the children were stabbed and Barry tried to commit suicide. But the defense is going down a very different path. Global's Romina Dea was in court and once again a warning. The details in this case will be disturbing for some viewers.
10: Defence is suggesting Andrew Barry is the victim here and Oak Bay police screwed up. Six-year-old Chloe was stabbed 26 times and her four-year-old sister Aubrey was stabbed 32 times, according to Crown. Defence counsel Kevin McCullough blasted the first officer on scene for leaving the crime scene unattended for a few minutes, even though he was concerned for his safety because the apartment was right next to an exit door. Officer, I can't say that anybody came or left. Defence, would you agree with me you made a significant mistake walking away from that door, which you just identified as a crime scene? You should never have left that position, agreed? Officer, should I have left the door? I left it. Defence highly critical of Deputy Chief Ray Bernotis for essentially telling the media the public was not at risk just two hours roughly after the crime scene was discovered. Officer, I never seen him give that statement. Like I said, I wasn't there when he did. Defence, 7.52 to 8.25 p.m. on December 25th would be a pretty quick time to be wrapping up this case, don't you think? Officer, are you asking my opinion? Defence, yes. Officer, probably yeah. Defence also said the two firefighters who carried Barry's naked, wounded body out of the bathtub said, I think this is the guy who did it. Andrew Barry has pleaded not guilty to two counts of second-degree murder. Romina Dea, Global News.
3: Well, just in time for graduation season, the provincial government is introducing strict rules and regulations today around the operation of limousines and party buses. The move is being applauded by many who've spent years advocating for changes. But as Kylie Stanton reports, operators are pushing back.
12: Just as the party bus industry is ramping up for its busiest time of year, the B.C. government is cracking down vehicles undergoing annual inspections at Ogden Point as the Ministry of Transportation announces changes to rules and regulations.
13: I'm very pleased today to announce that we're going a step further to make these rides safer.
12: Any bookings made after April 1st of this year will require a safety monitor on board when there are minors traveling in the party bus or limousine. The operators will be responsible for ensuring the individual meets the requirements.
13: The safety monitor must be be trained in first aid, be able to administer naloxone and have undergone a criminal record check. Had the measures
12: been in place years ago, Julie Raymond says her daughter would still be here. She would still be alive. 16-year-old Shannon Raymond died more than a decade ago from a combination of alcohol and ecstasy after a night of celebrating on a party bus. Since then, the family has been fighting tirelessly for these changes, waiting for the day they'd finally become law. I get to mourn my daughter instead of focusing on her death and how she died. But operators say adding safety monitors to the mix is enough to put them out of business.
11: It makes it tough, right? The expense goes up. Everything's a cost.
12: Some have decided to get out on their own terms. We use this a lot for cruises. Pearl Vavra has made the transition to leisure and corporate travel, saying the party bus industry is no longer realistic. It's absolutely ridiculous for us to be expected to babysit these almost adults, that makes no sense to me. But it could save lives. And while it may be too late for Shannon, at least something meaningful has come out of her death. It will stop that nightmare from unfolding on the doorstep of some other parent and some other family. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria.
2: Vancouver police are busy preparing for this weekend's 420 event. The Park Board and Vancouver Fire expressing concerns about crowd size this year. Thousands are expected because of the long weekend and the free concert by hip-hop group Cypress Hill. VPD is encouraging parents to talk to your children about the risks of attending a large unsanctioned cannabis event and says its focus will be to ensure vendors are not selling to minors.
5: With the warm weather, the long weekend, and the free concert, we recognize that this year's 420 event may be a big draw for teens. Like other large public events, our focus will be on the safety of the attendees, the general public, and first responders. But we will be paying special attention to vendors to ensure that they are not selling to minors.
3: Loyal Whitecaps fans are planning a walkout during tonight's game in protest of the club's response to abuse allegations. The Southsiders organizing the demonstration in support of women who say the club has mishandled their allegations. Sarah McDonald is live outside BC Place with more on what this all stems from. Sarah.
13: Well, Sophie, the Whitecaps are taking the pitch here at BC Place in just under an hour, but this is no typical game for the team or their most loyal fan club. The Southsiders will be staging a walkout during tonight's game as fallout over allegations surrounding former female players and a former coach continues to spiral. The Southsiders will walk out at the 35-minute mark of tonight's match against Los Angeles FC in protest of the organization's handling of those allegations that date back a decade. They renewed traction last month when former members of the 2008 Women's Whitecaps and National Under-20 Squad went public with accusations of harassment and sexually inappropriate behavior involving a former coach in online posts. The Whitecaps and Canada Soccer parted ways with that coach in 2008, but this case is now on the radar of police. The Whitecaps saying in a statement this afternoon the organization was not aware of all of those recently surfaced allegations, promising a third-party review of its workplace policies adding in light of the details contained in a blog we were concerned there may be new information related to this matter that did not come forward in 2008 therefore we contacted the Vancouver Police Department to ensure they were aware and could assess if further action or review is required Vancouver Police indeed confirming this morning they'd be made aware of those accusations by the League
5: we want to encourage anybody that feels they are the victim of any crime Uh, to report it to the police. I don't think it'd be appropriate for me to comment either way, but what I'm able to say is that we have been made aware of the blog.
11: We're directing this protest towards the Whitecaps executives. Um, This is not directed at the players, this is not directed at the coach, Mark Dos Santos, or even the other hardworking and earnest members of the Whitecaps, uh, you know, their employees. This is showing our displeasure at the way that uh, the scandal has been handled currently. Uh, as well as the results of the actions that were taken back in 2008.
13: As you just heard, the South Southsiders maintaining their protest tonight is not targeting any players uh, or coaching staff of the Whitecaps. They will be walking the concourse after leaving their seats at that 35-minute mark before returning after halftime for the rest of the game. Sophie.
3: All right, thanks for that. Sarah McDonald at the Whitecaps game tonight.
2: Burnaby RCMP would like to know if you can help identify someone they're calling the Umbrella Bank Bandit. Video surveillance catching the suspect entering the bank, umbrella open, trying to shield his identity. This happened last September at a bank in the 3700 block of Canada Way. If you happen to recognize the suspect, you're asked to call Burnaby RCMP.
3: But first, Alberta has a new provincial conservative government. Jason Kenney winning big last night, pulling off a majority government and relegating Rachel Notley's NDP to opposition status.
2: Much of the campaign focused on Alberta's struggling economy. Jordan Armstrong has reaction and how likely it is that Kenney could follow through on his threats
14: to punish British Columbians. We will be prepared to use the turn off the taps legislation. Finding words during the campaign, and
0: more tough talk in his victory speech Tuesday night.
14: We have provincial governments that have tried to block our energy. But friends, friends, tonight, all of that changes.
0: Now British Columbians wait to see if Jason Kenney shifts his threats into high gear. Oh, well, that's going to be something, eh?
15: From what I've heard, he's kind of crazy, so I, I, I don't know. I guess time will tell.
0: If the taps were turned off, it would inevitably lead to higher gas prices. By some estimates, an immediate jump of 20 to 30 cents. For lower mainland drivers already paying about $1.70 a litre, just the thought is scary.
1: What are our plans for the province? What are they going to do about it?
0: If Premier John Horgan is scared, he isn't showing
8: it. We're fast friends. No, uh, we... Uh, <laughs> election campaigns are also uh, high rhetoric and high hyperbolic language. Uh, we had a very cordial discussion. We're looking forward to having a meeting in the short term. Perhaps Horgan doesn't seem
0: worried because experts say turning off the taps would inflict serious economic pain on companies based in Alberta.
10: BC is Alberta's most important refined petroleum product export market, and it counts for about twenty percent of their refined product supply. So that's upwards of four billion dollars in revenues.
0: Yes, you can. You can turn the
8: tap off, but it won't be off for long.
0: The BC government believes cutting off gas between provinces would be unconstitutional and immediately challenged in court. In the short term, drivers are hoping all this uncertainty doesn't breed its own excuse for more gouging at the pump
15: supposed to be neighbors so and it's canada after all isn't it a country
0: right jordan armstrong global news
2: all right keith Baldry joins us now with more perspective on this uh, from victoria keith kenny's win is another indication that a conservative wave is sweeping the company er, or country and it,
8: it does make bc a bit of an outlier it does indeed, Chris. Uh, I think we're almost in uncharted territory here. Jason Kenney will now become the sixth right-of-center-leaning uh, premier in the country, which has profound implications for B.C.'s NDP government here. And now, go- take a step further. If Andrew Scheer wins the election in, in October, that was unheard of a few months ago. Now it seems a distinct possibility. Take a look at what the electoral map of Canada would look like. The orange province on the left, B.C., all by itself as a wave of blue. Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario— Quebec has a conservative government as well. New Brunswick, a conservative, maybe one in Ottawa as well, leaving only the maritime provinces run by liberal governments. So a profound implication for B.C. when it comes to things like the carbon tax. Now, back to turning off the taps. You saw in Jordan's piece to Jason Kenney last night. Today, he struck a more conciliatory tone, saying he doesn't really want to turn off the taps right away. He simply wants to initiate a conversation. Here's Jason Kenney one day after that big win.
14: I think Premier Horgan knows very well that uh, we are serious about defending our vital economic interests. Um, I've always said that it's not our intention to begin with reducing energy shipments uh, to uh, British Columbia, but to have the power to do so. Um, The Horgan government called the bluff of Alberta's NDP uh, on the turn off the taps legislation. They said publicly that uh, they'd received assurances that, that the, the current Alberta government does not intend to use Bill 12. We're going to change that fact uh, with the procl- with, by proclaiming into law Bill 12 uh, on ap- the afternoon of April the 30th.
3: Well, you'll soon be able to enjoy a sip of alcohol on your ferry ride between Vancouver and Victoria.
2: That's right. B.C. Ferries is launching a pilot project where B.C. beer and wine will be available at the Pacific Buffet. On three vessels, starting in June, the ships are the Spirit of Vancouver, Spirit of British Columbia, and Coastal Celebration, if you're booking in advance. (laughs) If it proves successful, the program will be expanded to other vessels.
3: But don't drink and drive. No,
2: of course not.
3: (laughs) Scientists from UBC and BC Children's Hospital say their latest research could be a breakthrough in treating children with peanut allergies.
2: It involves giving kids minute quantities of peanut protein to desensitize them, and the earlier, the better. Linda Ailsworth explains why it's never been done this way before.
14: Good morning, Emily. Hi, Katie. Welcome back.
16: It's been almost a year since six-year-old Emily started visiting Dr. Chan at B.C. Children's Hospital. He's an allergist on a mission to help children with severe food allergies eat whatever they want without fear.
1: I want cooked toast
7: um, with, with peanut butter.
16: Even thinking such a thing was unimaginable
12: not long ago. Do you remember the time when you had a reaction? The
16: ambulance came. To avoid peanuts and the life-threatening reactions they caused, Emily's mother homeschooled her. Then came word of a new UVC study involving oral immunotherapy.
5: We start them on a very small amount of peanut protein, and they eat that. And each time we increase the dose or start it, it happens in the allergist's office.
16: As the prescribed dose of peanut butter corn puffs increases, so does the body's tolerance. What makes this study different than most others is that instead of enrolling children over the age of six, who tend to have increased risk of severe reactions to the therapy, they studied younger preschoolers, 270 of them across Canada.
5: So the main finding was that it's safe, uh, and out of of roughly 40,000 doses of peanut given to these peanut-allergic children, only 12 of those doses ended up needing epinephrine.
16: Also known as adrenaline, which can reverse anaphylactic reactions. The findings that this therapy, previously available to the lucky few enrolled in studies, is safe for preschoolers, could increase accessibility (laughs) by making it available in the community.
12: Not being scared to go to public places, you know, at, to birthday parties, to all these things is just, it's, it's
16: life-changing. Linda Aylesworth, Global <laughs> News.
3: <laughs> Investigators in Paris are now trying to determine if a fire alarm sensor was working properly in Notre Dame Cathedral. That alarm first sent staff to an area with no fire. And it wasn't until more than 20 minutes later that a second alarm sounded and firefighters were called in. As investigators try to figure out what started the fire, the drive to repair and rebuild the iconic church continues.
2: French President Emmanuel Macron vowing to restore the cathedral before millions of people flock to Paris five years from now.
5: Bells tolled at cathedrals across the French capital, exactly 48 hours after the fire began at Notre-Dame. Cecil Delaville can hardly look at the destruction. She has worshiped there for 44 years.
8: It was it was she was so
5: beautiful and, beautiful, and now the sky is sad, she says. This is such a shock to me. As donations pour in, French President Emmanuel Macron vows to rebuild the 12th century landmark in five years and make it even more beautiful than before. France also issued a call to arms for architects from around the world to compete to design a new spire to replace the one destroyed. The five-year plan for rebuilding the famed cathedral would have it finished in time for the Summer Olympics in 2024, when millions of tourists are expected to visit the French capital. But Parisians like Blanche say there's no rush to rebuild, and such a sacred structure deserves all the time it needs. For now, firefighters are assessing the damage. It's still not safe for investigators to get inside to search for the cause. But authorities say it's a miracle that so many treasures were saved.
1: Paintings, chairs, armchairs, and uh, objects, you know, candle uh, holders.
5: At the Vatican, Pope Francis thanked firefighters who risked their lives to save the holy site and its priceless relics. Ian Lee, CBS News, Paris.
2: Sadly, some people are trying to take advantage of that, and that leads to a warning from the Better Business Bureau tonight in the wake of the devastating fire.
3: And is here with the details, and this is aimed at people who really just want to help.
17: Mm -hmm. The message here, wait to donate. Thanks, you guys. When something tragic happens like the Notre Dame fire, people are eager to help. Unfortunately, fraudsters are just as eager to take advantage of unsuspecting donors. Even before the fire was out in the iconic cathedral, France was vowing to rebuild and asking for assistance. Dozens of fundraising campaigns have been launched, but the Better Business Bureau is urging the public to wait and donate through a registered charity based in Canada rather than through an individual crowdfunding site or foreign entity make sure your donations are going to the official Notre Dame rebuilding
13: fund so right now we have a webpage page bbb.org slash Notre Dame where the public can go to to see where these um, where these charities are located so that they can get the information they need if they want to support but at the same time, we are encouraging you to wait until a official charity has been established in Canada because this could have tax return benefits for you for next season. Now, here
17: are some other tips. Get the charity's exact name and ask detailed questions. Ask how the charity is connected to the cathedral. Ask about the charity's location, contact information, and official registration and finances, all of which should be available on the charity's website. If that information is not available, it's a red flag. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at All
3: right, thanks, Ann. Well, for more than two decades, the Courage to Come Back Awards have recognized British Columbians who've overcome adversity and inspired others to do the same.
2: Tonight's recipient in the mental health category is a stunning example of turning a life around. As Catherine Urquhart reports, Erin Emeru battled severe schizophrenia and now helps others battling mental illness.
7: Your life's pretty good right now, isn't it? Yeah. How would you describe it?
4: Supported and full.
7: Erin Emeru has a loving husband and a rewarding job, all of it even more meaningful considering what she has overcome, notably severe schizophrenia, which has led to 14 hospitalizations. It's scary. Um, When I'm very ill, I believe that there's microscopic rats inside my head eating my brain, and that terrifies me. Aaron has also battled an eating disorder and abusive relationships. As for schizophrenia, eventually it was treated successfully with medication. Amid the chaos, Aaron earned an honors undergraduate degree and completed a master's degree in neuroscience.
10: I'm a pretty determined person. Uh, it wasn't easy, um, and it was harder than it would have been without my schizophrenia.
7: Now the 40-year-old is transforming the lives of others with mental illness. Hi. As a peer support worker, she provides invaluable help to her clients. Often she's able to tell them, I've been
10: there. Just so you know, this quiet room, I've been in. I've been on this bed. I know what it's like in here. And they turned around and they said, well, I'll talk to you, but no one else.
7: (laughs) Erin Emeru truly courageous as she tackles the challenges of mental illness
10: i think because i'm willing to put myself out there i'm helping bring down stigma and discrimination
7: catherine cart global news
2: mm, more great stories ahead too tomorrow we'll introduce you to mother of 3 kate palmer who hasn't let a painful neuroinflammatory disease stop her from raising a family and co-founding a charity that's tomorrow The London drugs chain says its campaign to allow customers to return recyclables has kept millions of kilograms of waste out of landfills.
3: The retail chain says by accepting things like batteries, styrofoam, packaging, and small appliances at its locations across Western Canada, it has diverted more than 93% of its waste from landfills last year.
7: Uh, We recycled over 12.8 million pounds of material, um, including 1 million pounds of plastic. Um, We have also, uh, since introducing our bag fee at the beginning of 2018, um, we reduced our bag use by 75%.
1: Recycling can reduce the amount of plastic that will go into the ocean. We can use less fossil fuels. And by recycling, we we don't have to keep on buying more plastic.
3: Good point. And now I know where I can take my stuff.
2: That's right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They'll take everything. Um, okay, great stuff. Let's check in with Kasia Badurka, who's in uh, for Christy. We've been watching this dog flip out over yeah. here on the monitor, and I want to know what in the world's going on.
6: I'm, I'm using the gloomy weather from today as an excuse to show this dog that's chasing, whatever it is, he's chasing this Bernese adorable thing. Thank you to Tracy for sending that is. And if you're chasing the rain, here it is on Radar Returns. It's pretty much on our doorstep right here. Up and down the coast, uh, you can see the center of the low right here and the way it all plays out we do have very gusty conditions along the north coast we're looking at gusts in excess of 80 kilometers per hour that continues through the overnight in the yellow that's your very heavy downpours we're looking at a good 30 to 50 millimeters of rain along coastal sections through the day tomorrow so a bit of a washout tomorrow the system continues to track east and south still an unsettled one for our friday but then opening up for a pretty nice day on our saturday i'll show you bit long range in a moment. But this is a look at general rainfall amounts that we are expecting. I mentioned the south coast being the main target. To the north, not so heavy anymore for you and Prince Rupert there. It's just the winds that's uh, causing trouble. And then western sections of the island, close to 80 millimeters of rain. Here's a look at what to expect for tomorrow afternoon. We're looking at a sun cloud mix for Fort Nelson and Fort St. John, though a chance of showers in the morning. Gusty conditions right across the north, really, especially closer to the peace as well as closer to the coast. For We're looking at gusty conditions over here as well. Also, through the Okanagan, we're looking at 40k gusts. This is just a chance of showers for everybody along the south. But closer to the coast, we can't avoid it. It is the rain. And closer to the Strait of Georgia, this is where it is on the gusty side as well. Look at your long-range forecast for your Easter-long weekend. Look at this. On Friday, we still do have a chance of showers. But Saturday and Sunday, gorgeous with a sun cloud mix. Monday, we see the return of showers. So looking good. All right. So your weather window for today, it's the goose takeover. Take note, the goose takes over the eagle's nest. Very brave oh. guy brought to us by Marlene. Thank you. <laughs> there you go, guys. You want to be that goose. goose when the eagle comes back. Right? That's
2: right. <laughs> Just keeping it warm for you. All right. Thanks, Casha. A controversial plan to move a lot of people around with a new Metro Vancouver gondola has been given a big shot in the arm.
3: The Burnaby Board of Trade says not only should a gondola be built from the Production Waste Guide train station to Simon Fraser University, it should be even bigger than proposed.
11: Packed with people, diesel engine accordion buses grind their way up the 300 metres to the SFU campus. Trip time, about 15 minutes. There has been talk of replacing these with a gondola for years. Now the Burnaby Board of Trade is throwing its support behind the idea.
8: This for us just seems to be a really uh, cost-effective way of moving a lot of people uh, to, to an area that lots of people go on a very regular basis. It's
11: been kicked around since 2009. And while it seems like a pipe dream, over the last decade, cities all over the world have adopted gondola technology cheaper and more reliable than other forms of transit in all weather. Students at SFU are clamoring for a better option to get up the hill.
14: People are getting passed up, not
11: only going up but also coming down. It's not a great place to be for students. The gondola would increase that capacity on day one. Nobody is building anything yet, but TransLink does have funding to study a gondola. A recent report commissioned makes a strong case. A six-minute direct route from Production Way to SFU would cost about $197 million. $255 million and three minutes longer to dog it around a housing development.
5: Well I think if it saves on carbon emissions that's really important. I think it's a really, really smart idea.
11: Moving more people more efficiently at a lower cost. The business case for a gondola is clear. Finding funding and the political will to get it built—a much harder sell. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Tonight's the night we
2: get a win. Go Whitecaps! Go Whitecaps! It's a new chant that I'm working on. Did you just make it's that up good, on the so spot? spot? Just made it up right now.
5: It's excellent. Well, that's good.
3: You've got some
5: very talent. catchy. <laughs> I don't. I
1: don't think that's true. Uh, especially the movements too. I
5: mean,
0: don't do the movements. It's going to catch just, on for nothing. sure.
1: Without the movement. <laughs> uh, tonight, the Whitecaps host LAFC at BC Place. Los Angeles is yet to lose a game. The Whitecaps have yet to win. But with that cheer, how could they not? <laughs> uh, despite that, though, as we've heard all season without the wins, the Whitecaps are not pulling the alarm. They refuse to the panic. They still believe that the light at the end of the tunnel is not a train coming their way.
5: We have to stick to our principle, and yes, we are six games in. We mentioned it, the first 10 games will be difficult for sure because we're finding our our identities. And to be honest with you, every game has been more solid uh, as uh, performances. And uh, for sure, the results right now are not uh, impressive. But what we're building, it's more than just three points right now. We have to see the big picture as well.
1: Last night, Columbus did the unthinkable, took out Tampa Bay in four straight in round one of the playoffs after the Lightning had an amazing regular season. Now, there are a lot of reasons why the Blue Jackets won, but a lot of players in Columbus point to an inspirational speech, albeit profanity-laced by John Tortorella. I mean, this guy swears more than Eminem. He did this speech before game one. The message? Don't be afraid of Tampa. Believe in yourself
0: about skills, forget about X's and O's. it's a f- mindset of f- believing. It's amazing what can f- happen. So you f- stand in there, you stand in there, and you don't take a f- backward step. Not for a f- second. It's a great f- opportunity to stand right f- face to face with them and go right f- to them. There is no one taking
11: a f- back step here. All right, let's be ready. to
1: I think that collection of bananas had something to do with it as well. They were well-nourished for this series. (laughs) There were some audio issues with that clip. Was there? Could you sort of get a sense of what he was saying? (laughs) Uh, Charlie from Charlie. Charlie McAvoy from Charlie Coyle. This is game four, Leafs and Bruins. There'll be some uh, monosyllabic words as well in Toronto because they lost tonight. David Pasternak had a couple of goals. Even Zdeno Chera put one in. And 6-4 was the final Bruins over Leafs it's now tied 2-2. Champions League this was a great game Tottenham and Manchester City four goals in the first 11 minutes Bernardo Silva with one there 2-2 but uh, Fernando Llorente would score here now this makes it 4-3 for Man City this is off the hip and for Man City that was a tragic hit because away goals propel Tottenham to the final four of Champions League. They'll play Ajax. Liverpool who won today will take on Barcelona in the other semi-final. As we told you earlier, it's Golf and Health Week because golf is a healthy activity. And today they celebrated how disabled people can enjoy the game as well.
17: Left to the green. Uh, golf gives me the ability to be outside enjoying fresh air with friends and family. Uh, it's just such a calming experience to be you know, on a golf course in the middle of the city.
11: Good contact.
8: Tanel Bolt is one of countless golfers around the world celebrating the first ever Golf and Health Week. The collaborative campaign highlights the physical and mental health benefits of playing golf. And they're numerous, more than you probably associate with the game.
5: And when they started to catalog all of the research that's been done around the world, they found something like three thousand papers uh, that talked about the health benefits of, uh, of golf. And as they've got into it, they're finding more and more opportunities to really help people live a better life. Um, you know, people with uh, dementia and Parkinson's have been helped tremendously by getting involved in uh, in playing golf.
8: Dr. Roger Hawks heads up the Golf and Health Project in Great Britain. And it's through his work that golf's gaining a greater respect for the overall well-being that it provides to those who venture onto the fairway, be it able-bodied or disabled. We know just the, just exercise uh,
5: reduces depression, for instance, by, by 15%. Um, people come off the golf course and say, I feel great. Uh, and I think what we've done is bottle that and actually provide some evidence so that uh, policymakers can now take golf seriously.
8: It's no secret our population is aging. People are simply living longer. The great thing about golf, it's a sport you can play for life, one that truly has no boundaries.
5: For golfers, pinch yourself. um, You know, you are uh, getting great benefit from from playing this wonderful game. No other sport, I think, has done it quite like we have. We've demonstrated scientifically um, that that golf uh, is, is good for you.
17: Oh, to all the people that have the disabilities, you're missing out on a beautiful, beautiful place.
8: Jay Janower, Global Sports.
3: He needs to. That was turn a great putt. Pro. That was no a
1: great putt. No kidding. Is Jay like uh, Alfred Hitchcock? He inserts himself in the story. Did you notice right, that? Yeah, a little cameo in there. there. Yeah, his little Jay cameo. He has
2: a nice swing, too. All right. The U.S. Marine veteran whose dogged determination made for one of the most stunning images from Monday's Boston Marathon is talking tonight about what motivated him.
3: Micah Herndon says he was driven to finish and not give up by the memory of his fallen comrades. It's a moment most
15: would have given up.
0: My legs, they stopped walking.
15: But with just yards to go in the Boston Marathon, Marine veteran Micah Herndon never even considered it.
0: So I crawled a little bit.
15: When he couldn't do that anymore, he dragged himself on his elbows. Because it wasn't just about him finishing.
0: Ballard, Hammer, Juarez, just over and over again, over and over again.
15: Men he carried with him, two Marines and a journalist, killed when Herndon's convoy hit an IED in Afghanistan. Now his mantra etched on his shoes and in his heart
0: it just reminds myself the pain that i'm going through it doesn't compare to what they experienced what they went through
15: matthew ballard was his best friend today herndon still suffers from ptsd and survivor's guilt
0: personally i'm sorry that uh you know i'm sorry that they uh, didn't come home
15: Running is now his therapy, and while for him this was just doing what he was trained for.
0: You never give up, you never quit.
15: He's now using the unexpected attention to make sure no vets are left behind.
0: We're not just a number. We did serve our country.
15: He was disappointed he didn't qualify for the New York Marathon. Today he was invited to run here anyway.
0: Hopefully I can uh, finish this race better than I finished the Boston. I
15: don't think anybody doubts him. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News, New York.
3: Man, what a great story. Amazing.
2: And just like a hardcore runner, as he's being helped to his feet, turns his watch off just <laughs> to make sure he logs his time. got to get the right time. Amazing story.
6: All right, quick word on the weather. Yeah, rain at times heavy tomorrow, so umbrellas out racing right. on Friday.
2: Very nice. Thank you. Good luck at Little League practice tomorrow night, it sounds like. <laughs> all right, have a good night, everybody.
3: Have a good night, all.